how the hell are you? This is Mark Joseph Bennett coming to you from the XC60 Recording Studios. I said shut up the podcast in full swing. 7.57 on a Sunday night on a GD Mother's Day. Happy Mother's Day to all the mothers. You mothers. You know, the term, not to get straight into the vulgarities, but motherfucker. On Mother's Day, to me, that really reminds you of how awful of a term that is. People throw it around these days. Like, you call your friend, hey, motherfucker, how you doing? That is an awful image to conjure when you really think about it. So on Mother's Day, when everyone's like, oh, thanks to all the mothers out there, I always think that. I'm like, let's stop using that motherfucker term. That is far too, you know. Now, maybe, maybe people just mean, you know, having sex with people who are mothers, not necessarily your own. My assumption is, as it was intended as an insult, right, that they would, in fact, be trying to say you're having sex with your own mother, that to, to have the most impact, would you not? Why would you say, hey, you like having sex with ladies who may have children? That's not a, you know, it's like, yeah, of course. Lots of ladies have children, so they're technically mothers. You have sex with them, you're a motherfucker. But that's not what, that's not, not what people meant. They meant, you know. Anyway, happy Mother's Day. Oh, guys, I did this one. I, I did all right. You know, I, uh, my wife, uh, she's a mother of two now. Two! This is my second podcast since I've had the new baby. And, uh, yeah, they're not doing too many podcasts right now because who the fuck has time? Who has time to do a podcast? You don't have time to take a shit. You really don't. This, we actually announce to one another, me and my wife, okay? We, what we say is, who's taking a shit right now? That's what we say. Whose turn is it? Who gets to take a shit? Like the other day, and, and you basically, uh, it's, it's not, it's not uh, like a seniority system that we have going. It's, it's based on uh, urgency, right? Whoever is in worse condition gets to go. Like the other day I say, hey, I'm, I'm, I'm going now. Going to go take a shit. And my wife said, oh, no, you're not. Because there's no way you need to go worse than me. What am I going? I can't argue. She's the one. She's the one that has that kid attached to her boob all the time. She sometimes you need a poo break. I tell you what, there's nothing I can do for that kid. Nothing I can do for him. I'm trying my best to help James, and he just does not doesn't want any part of it. He's like, get away from me, whoever the hell you are. Give me back to the lady. That's the one. I don't want your face. But I will say the last two days, he's opened his eyes and looked at me without screaming for at least 10 seconds. And then he starts screaming. But prior to that, it was just straight on if he saw me at all. Ah, screw this guy. I hate him. He's got a good sense of people. Great intuition on that little kid. He knows who's important to him. It's his mother, not his father. You know, speaking of that, talking about 
who you need around. Now, you, you, having both your parents around when, is, a good, is a good thing, right? As long as they're decent people. But monetarily, in this particular example, my kids are better off, of course, with their mother. Now, here's the thing. Why, why are you thinking about such a morbid topic, Mark? Because we had uh, my, my father was trying to get some life insurance for the new baby because it's cheapest when they're little babies, right? So you go and uh, you can sign up for not that much money and you can sign up and by the time that they're dead, they'll have a pretty large life insurance policy, right? That way you get in while the getting's good, you know, because you get diagnosed with something, you know, like Ebola or some shit. They're like, we're not giving you life insurance. You're bleeding from the eyeballs. No life insurance for your family. But little James, when he's 70 years old, he'll be like, ah. They're like, sorry, sir, you don't qualify for life insurance. He's like, go fuck yourselves. My grandpappy, Kevin Bennett Sr., set up a goddamn policy for me when I was half a zygote. And now I'm covered, baby. So we were, when we are thinking about that, my dad was like, and what do you guys have? Talking to me like I know shit about finances. What do you have? What are you talking about? I don't know. You tell me, old man. You're probably the one that set some shit up. And he did. He took out a life insurance policy on me a while ago, apparently. But it's not a lot. You know, it's it's like a 200 grand is if I if I kick the bucket. 200 grand goes to my wife and kids. Which, you know, it's I'm actually okay with that amount because that's a that's an amount nobody's going to kill you over. You know what I mean? This day and age, what does that get you? Get you half a Tesla? That's nothing, right? So, um, in Toronto, that gets you. Doesn't even get you a down payment on a condo here. No, don't kill that guy over that shit, right? So, but two hundred grand. That that's all about all I get. Because I don't have, you know, I don't have a steady job. I do this shit, talking to a microphone in a car for fuck's sake. Stand up comedy. You don't have good life insurance plans with that. So my wife, she works for the government, the federal government of Canada, because we live in the country of Canada. And the thing is, she, uh, her life insurance policy is better, but it's not enough, according to my father. You need a million dollars, and you need a million-dollar life insurance policy. You know, that way people are taken care of. See, and in our case, that's probably true. If my wife kicks the old bucket, then I am left with two children to put up for adoption. <laughs> yeah. As a Jim Gaffigan joke, by the way. Big shout out to boy Jim Gaffigan. He is freaking killing it lately. Man, oh man. He must have he must be he must be one of the best paid entertainers in the world right now. He's freaking anyway. Whatever. He's great. If you don't know Jim Gaffigan, um he's clean. I don't know why you would prefer that. If you're listening to this podcast, you're already listening to people who aren't clean comedians. But still He's a very clean comedian. He opened for the Pope once. Like that, that's pretty goddamn clean, if you ask me. But anyway, very funny man. And uh, that was the joke I just stole was from him. So, I mean, listen, you you got jokes that are of a high enough caliber for Mark Bennett to steal them on his podcast that comes out free to you once in a while. You know, that's, that's some pretty high praise. So, any hoozles. My wife dies. I get some money from her life insurance. So I don't know what. Like we're talking uh, something like 
I don't know, 600 grand maybe total, I think, which sounds like a lot of money for a second. But when you think about it, I have this job, which I would, I guess, have to stop. I mean, what are you going to, gonna, first of all, are you in the mood to do stand-up comedy? You know, people are dead. That doesn't sound good. I got to raise two kids. You know, you got, and so that money, that'll go away quickly. You know what I mean? That you're burning through that. 600K will be gone soon. So we need more. And then and then the print the, the idea is that you don't touch the principal and you 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 live off the money, like uh, something like five the five percent or seven percent interest you can get. But still that's like sixty thousand, you know, between fifty and seventy thousand dollars between five and seven percent interest. So that's not a ton of money to 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 have two kids with, you know? To like fifty, sixty thousand dollars this day and age be tough. You know, it just makes you wonder, are you really prepared? Are you prepared? Because I thought we were, and I don't think we are. You know, if we both live, we're pretty okay. We haven't made big financial, uh, you know, snafus. We haven't uh, haven't fucked up shit too much. And we didn't buy a house yet, anyway, in this crazy market. So we're not strained for cash. We're rent. People are just throwing your money away on rent. No, you're not. You're renting a place to live, and as long as you're not being an idiot, it costs you way, way less than having a mortgage in a similar area. So save the extra money and invest it. And guess what we're doing? We're doing that shit. All right? No, we're not geniuses. We good looking. Oh, yeah. Oh, buddy. Good looking couple. Am I right? Especially now on the no sleep. Woo! Bags under the eyes, hair never combed. Honest to God, I dropped off uh, Sam, the oldest, at nursery school the other day, and I realized I had not looked in the mirror at all. I mean, I took a shower, but I got <laughs> that made it worse because I got you know if if you don't shower, your hair is sort of combed from the night before. Maybe you got some bedhead if you're unlucky, but I don't get a lot of bedhead because my hair is not that long. But you get out of the shower and you don't fix yourself up. You look like a hobo, you know, because I, I forgot to, you know, shave, put product in my hair. You know, so I like it just I, I literally I looked ridiculous and I had no idea. It's, I looked like a homeless person in a windstorm is what I looked like when I went in. You got to look in the mirror once in a while. But yeah, I got two kids. Go fuck yourself. All right. Two young kids. I don't know how the parents do it. Single parents? Talking about death? Jesus Christ. Well, it doesn't have to be death. It could be divorce. Somebody could just leave because they're sick of the crying. So much crying. I don't know how people raise more than one kid, period, with with another person because I'm finding it hard. But on your own, honest to Jesus, who in the fuck is doing that? You're you're a super person if you're doing that. Jesus Christ. My my sister uh, and her husband, they have five children. And I know they listen to this podcast, so I know they're going to hear this. But what? Like, I mean, there's part of me that is full of admiration. And there's a larger part of me that thinks they're lunatics. How? How do you? 
You you brought that on? That's what that's what you wanted your life to be. Well, I mean, more power to you. Have at it. The joy of children, I get the joy part, but I just I don't understand how you can do that amount of work. I, it, it can't be done. You know? We just having two kids under the age of 3 is uh virtually impossible. It is it's difficult. And um we had totally planned this. This is this was our plan. Makes me wonder cuz my parents spaced us out. We were 4 years apart and I'll tell you, you know what that's really good for? School. Because one of the kids is in school by the time the next kid is a baby. So, you know, your life is somewhat in order. Right now, my wife is on mat leave, but when she goes back, we're faced with the fucking situation. We got me at home. Me. Guys, long-time listeners to the podcast, you know I'm a useless human. You know I can't do any shit. Like, I, I literally, when my dad was asking me about my finances, I'm like, I don't know anything. Even though I'm a 41-year-old male, you just put, here, I'll give my wife the phone. Let her talk. Because I, I don't know shit. Where the hell was I? <laughs> I totally lost my train of thought. Oh, yeah, talking about how when my wife goes back on mat, uh, from mat leave back to work, you know, to, to take care of the family, get, get some life insurance plans, I'm going to be with a toddler and a one-year-old. Like, that is, you know, and he'll be too young to go to school. So my wife will go back to work in April, and Sam doesn't start pre-kindergarten when he's four until September. April to September, me with two kids, that's, that's, I can't be done. So now we're like, what do we do? And I was thinking, what do other people do? How do people live? Honestly, the things I wonder about, like with this insurance thing, right? With the life insurance. I was saying to my wife, and you know, she was laughing at me because I'm like, so how do, how do we get the money? Like, let's say, you know, you die. Like, where's the, like, we have, we have so many accounts so much shit going on. So my dad's got a life insurance plan. We got RESPs for which are kids like uh, you, you know school funds. What are they? That something education? I don't know. Anyway, <laughs> just RESPs, RESPs, ETs. These we we have those things for the kids. My wife has RSPs. I have some RSPs. We've got investments. You know, we've got savings where we're with, with several different banks. You know, my wife's got insurance policies. I have insurance policies from my dad and some through my wife's work. And so I said to my wife, like, okay, let's say you die. How do I, what do I do? And she starts laughing. She's like, you know, you be an adult. And then I'm, I call her bluff. I'm like, oh, yeah, what happens? All right, lady adult. I keel over as I have I have some money. I got money that, that you could use in various different accounts. Go. And she was like, um, I was like, exactly. Do you just start phoning banks? Hey, just wondering, do I have money coming to me for some reason? 
Like, you know what I mean? Like, how do you know? Do they send you a letter in the mail? Does someone consolidate it and say, okay, you have this RSP, you got this education fund, you got this investment that the guy had over here. Oh, and there was a life insurance policy taken out. Oh, remember when he had that job for a few years at, at that office? Yeah, there's still some some money in that account, some life insurance. How do you know? Where does Who puts it together? And, it, and now I'm starting to think, I know the way the government works, you know? You're lucky if they don't fuck you over half the time with the taxes and shit. You got to be on it. So the idea that you're going to get all of the money that you're owed when somebody dies in the family. I mean, I know there's people that have trustees and, and all that shit, but but we don't we don't have that. You know what I mean? Like we have it. We have it set up so that if we both die, it's it gets taken care of. All the all the money gets consolidated and and given to my brother, my brother, and not just given to him because we don't we don't want to be murdered. It's just he he takes care of it. He's the trustee. It's an official title, and so he'll get it all. He'll get all the paperwork, and he'll have to sort through it. And he, luckily, he's an accountant, so it'll be fine for him. But that's that's. We we went to a lawyer. We got that set up, but like with us, uh, I don't know. Does anyone know this shit? Do people really know the ins and outs of these types of things? Because I don't. It doesn't make me feel good, but it did make me feel good to realize my wife didn't really know either. Now she's confident that she would figure it out, and I I agree with her. I think that she would figure it out. But the, the idea that she knows. And remember, I just died. The love of her life. Guys. Oh, she's destroyed. Right? She's fucking, you know, she's borderline suicidal. How do you live without Mark Bennett? Where where are you going to get that nasally leprechaun voice that you, that you need every day shouting shit at you? So she'll be torn up. She'll be thinking... She won't be thinking about the money and all the other thing, but you need it. You know, it's 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 part of part of what how you get taken care of. So who does it? Does some person in a suit show up with a black briefcase? Say, hi, I'm the guy when someone dies, I put together all their accounts and all their money. You know? Like I have royalties and shit that come in. For me, from my comedy, from my brilliant, brilliant stand-up comedy. Go get my CD, Bad Bones. You know? It's brilliant. And I get paid. I get paid out the ass for that shit. It's a substantial amount of money. You know, while satellite radio still exists. So she'd be missing out on that cash flow too unless, you know, she could have access to it. I don't know if she would. Like we have joint bank accounts and shit, but do you know what I mean? Like everyone, like diversify your portfolio. Do and and we're doing the best we can. We've but with all of that comes confusion. There are so many different things, and while we're alive, it's not that bad. You know what I mean? But it's not like I know everything that she's doing and every like I don't know how her work plan works you know what i mean i know they owe me money if she dies 
But I don't know how to get it. Would I just like kick down the door at her work and go, hey, you know your coworker that died? Yeah. Give me the money. Give it to me. I'm the husband. Give me, give it. Right? I'm assuming it all comes in the mail. But I don't know if you guys are like me. But I don't always get all my mail. Sometimes, you know, a letter gets lost in the shuffle. Or I'm in a big apartment building. They put it in the wrong person's mailbox. You know? What if, what if that's the thing? There's the one million dollar life insurance policy. You get, you, you miss the letter in the mail. Or I moved. You know? I probably moved. You know, I just lost my wife. I got, a, I got me and me and the kids. We got a downscale from this apartment into a cardboard box in the alleyway. Who's gonna get me my insurance policy when I've changed my address to one two three alleyway, alleyway avenue? These these are the types of things that I think about now. That's what having two kids in <laughs> Miltudia. Oh Christ Almighty! And you know, also I've been a little bit, I've been a little bit more thinking about the death because I'm getting older, and I broke another fucking rib or two. I don't know if I mentioned that last podcast. I'm not sure if I had their broken ribs last podcast. Went to the gym, you know, to to stay in shape. Broke a couple more ribs at the gym. Long time listeners podcast, you guys know. But if you're new here, and I don't know why you would be, the uh, I got uh, bad bones, like the CD title. Go download it. And um, they're still not good. So I was at the gym trying to work out to stay, you know, somewhat mobile and uh, leaned the wrong way on my rib cage, broke a couple of fucking ribs. And it hurts, buddy. Oh, buddy. This one, this, the, these ones are high up there. So they're, they're bigger ribs and they're uh, high up on the right side of my chest. Oh, sleeping was a bitch. I'm finally getting a bit better, but the first two weeks of the rib break were pretty shitty. And uh, so you, you, make, you start to think, you know, like how, how healthy are you exactly? You know, one of my buddies, I just saw him. He had a heart attack. Jesus Christ, 41 years old. He had a heart attack. Carries around nitroglycerin now all the time. You know, honest to God, 41 years old. It was like he didn't, it wasn't like a, a massive one, but he was like, ah, oh, I feel some, some pain. And then he went to the hospital and they're like, yeah, you, you just had a heart attack, bud. And so he's got all this heart disease. So he's got to, he got to watch himself now. You know, so you, you always, you always got to think, think about these things, but you can't be all negative dwelling on it all the time. Cause I tell you what, these last couple of weeks, my wife was, was glad to point it out several times that I was, uh, an angry man, crooked as sin. We call it back home in Newfoundland. I was on edge, easily upset. And I was not just with her, with strangers. With, uh, there's a couple of times there were some road rage incidents where, you know, and it's the weirdest thing. Like I've got a couple of broken ribs and really bad bones. It's a terrible idea for me to get into a physical altercation with someone. Yet, the second I broke those ribs, the rage amped up. Like I was quick to see red, you know, people cutting me off in traffic or doing something and I'm like, let's do it. Let's fight to the death, even though 
I have broken ribs. And if I get punched, my head will explode. I it's my, my theory is it's wounded animal syndrome. You know, because I've got the broken ribs, my back is up easier. Like I'm more ready to throw down because my, my brain is like, you know, fight or flight. Say, ah, we're almost dead. So if, if there is going to be trouble, then it's best to get a head start. Be aggressive. Go for the jugular. You know, none of this, like, pussyfooting around. If somebody is implying that they're kind of irritated with you right now, just fucking punch them in the face. Try to knock them out immediately. You know, give them a scissor kick. Scissor kick to the old cranium. Take them down before they get a chance to give you shots in your broken ribs. Like Lionheart, the classic Van Damme movie. I'm sure you guys all know what I'm talking about. Jean-Claude Van Damme, sometime in the 90s, played somebody named Mr. Lionheart. I believe his name was something Lionheart. Most likely Jean-Claude, because I doubt a guy like him would respond to anything else. Call me Jean-Claude. Now we're going to call you like Leo in this one. Leo Lionheart. No, no. It's Jean-Claude Leo Lionheart. So in Lionheart, I mean, why, why am I even telling you guys the plot? You know it. So Lionheart, which as an aside, by the way, I had a full, not like a poster, the cardboard cutout. Midtown in Newfoundland, is the, there was a store that used to rent out the movies and the video games. Loved Midtown. And Midtown used to have these display, these big cardboard displays of movies, big 3D cardboard cutouts. And uh, so every time a new Van Damme movie came in, I would ask them, can I have this cardboard cutout when you guys are done with it? And they would give it to me. So they adorned my room. I had three different Van Damme cutouts, cardboard cutouts, stand like literally like six foot tall. What was that? Lionheart? Uh, uh, the, the one where, he, was, where he, he played himself, he was twins. What was that one called? Double Impact. Double Impact. Lionheart, and I think one called Lockup? I don't know, he was in jail or something like that. My dog, when you turn the lights off, he would freak out. He would start, he would stand up on my bed, snarl and bark because he thought there were men in the room. Sexy, sexy men in my bedroom. Poor dog. I had to turn the posters around, well, the cardboard things around so that he he wouldn't freak out. But uh, you talk about, listen to that loyalty, huh? He sees three muscular men approaching his beloved Mark, and he's like, I'm going to fucking fight these guys. Here I go. Wounded animal syndrome. Any hoozles. In Lionheart, Van Damme is a hell of a fighter, as you might imagine, right? Now, I think in order to keep his daughter... He has to join an underground fighting ring. I mean, it makes perfect sense so far. He's got a daughter. He needs to keep her. Join underground fighting ring. You know, not regulated. Just people betting. Rich people betting in the stands. You know, man, you know, last man standing type of shit. Van Damme, he's winning matches. Hand over fist. No problem. Super easy. But he comes up against the, re- the big baddie. 
at the very end. Now, we all know Van Damme is going to kick his ass. No way that this big baddie, no matter how good he is at fighting, you know, Van Damme's going to kick him. Kick him right in the face. You know, do one of those splits where he shows off his ass and his balls at the same time. But here's the problem. The night before the big fight, he breaks some ribs. Breaks some fucking ribs, right? And then the big baddie, in their little tussle, he notices Van Damme is favoring his rib cage, And he goes, gives him a little tut while he, while he wags his finger. Because he says, I got it. I know that you got broken ribs. Because up until that point in the fight, the big baddie's getting his ass handed to him by Van Damme. Because he's, he's fucking Jean-Claude Lionheart, right? And then when he notices the ribs, he just starts, starts pounding them there, right? Lefts and rights. Boom. And then some blood starts coming out on Van Damme's little, uh, little, what do you call him? A sexy tank top. Right? So it's looking bad for old Van Damme. And then he finally gets knocked to the ground. Now his trainer slash buddy is this black dude. This old, this old crotchety black man. And the whole time he's been, you know, Lionheart's trainer. But at when he, he knows... Because he's been screwed over in the past. Because, you know, the seedy underground fighting rings. I mean, they'll these people are up to no good. You know, they'll say one thing, but they'll do another. They'll double-cross you. They will. And he learned the hard way. He got injured badly because he got double-crossed in this type of thing. So he was ready for it. So when Van Damme is down for the count... You know, and it looks like if he continues fighting, he might even die. The black guy steps in and says, Lionheart, just stay down. I bet on the other guy. I bet on the big baddie. Okay? The whole bet is on him. Because I knew what they do. I bet on him. And then Van Damme, he looks at him and he says, wrong bet. And he gets up, and he starts fucking roundhouse and kicking that guy. Just, just, boom, one after one. Just holding the side where his ribs are bleeding. Kicking him in the face. Then he wins. Surprise. You didn't think he would, but he did. Now, I don't know why he gets his little girl back, especially when the black guy bet all of his money on, you know, the other guy. I have no idea. But somehow the little girl comes back. Now the point is, wounded animal syndrome. Like Van Damme, I got the broken ribs. But like there was this guy in traffic who was fucking like, you know, like my lane, of course I'm in Toronto, so construction is just happening all the time. So there's this giant construction sign that just comes out of nowhere and now my lane is gone. And about, But I'm at a, a stoplight. You know, and I'm, I'm right at the front of the stoplight. And so, of course, what I'm going to do is I'm going to press the gas fast to get back, get into the other lane. That way I avoid the traffic. So, you know, I gun it a little bit when the light turns green. And the guy next to me is driving this Mercedes SUV. And he fucking just, just puts the pedal to the floor. And he keeps pace with me. Like, for no fucking reason at all. 
obviously I'm trapped in this lane. I'm just going to try to get into the other lane. And I'm doing it in a way that's probably as least disruptive as possible. But no, no, this guy, he's just, he's got, he can't stand the idea that somebody stepped on the gas a little bit harder than he did right off the line. Oh, no, we're fucking drag racing now. So he said, and so I just, I look into two, like he's right there face to face. I turn over and I just mouth the word move because I don't care if he goes ahead of me. Just get the fuck out of the way. I have a child in the back. I either just let me get behind you or in front of you. I'm not going to run into a fucking transportation truck, a goddamn construction site. So now this guy, because he obviously doesn't have a clue how the world works, he's like a 65-year-old dude, you know? And now he sees, you talk about a face of rage. He, oh, he saw the lion heart. I tell you what. I fucking looked at that guy. I was like, wrong bet. Oh, Jesus Christ, was I mad. And he, we, we're in Toronto. There's lights every two seconds. So, of course, I, I pull him behind him at first to, uh, you know, stay alive. And then he keeps gunning it because he doesn't want any part of what he just saw. A psychotic human being. He's just gunning it. But there's a stoplight up ahead. It's red already. So sure enough, I get to pull up right fucking next to him. And uh, man, oh man, did I stare out that window. And he just, just hands 10 and 2s looking straight ahead. And it's a good thing he did. Because I was no longer a regular, reasonable human being. I was so angry. And yes, I was recognizing that my ribs were broken. In fact, that's what I was that that's why I started to realize this is that that's what this is. You're I mean, sure, sure that would have annoyed anybody what this guy just did. But the fact that I am ready to fucking do this. And it wasn't just because he was an old guy. I was always already staring out the window. It didn't matter who it was. You know what I mean? Could have been the big baddie. Didn't matter. So I'm trying to calm down. And as my ribs been healing a bit, I've been getting calmer. Which leads me to my last point. Because I gotta go up and watch the Raptors game. It's game seven. Alright? The Toronto Raptors, they're a basketball team. Gotta watch it. My last point is trying to calm down. Not just with the road rage and whatever. But also, just for the bones, all right? I was watching this stupid thing on Netflix and uh, about healing, and it was such bullshit. But at the same time, some of the stuff they were saying, you can't deny. Placebos work. Doctors won't deny it. Placebos work. The, bo- the body can heal itself in many ways. All you got to do is just say, in fact, as I've said on this podcast before, you can take a placebo, and someone can tell you, this is a placebo. It's a sugar pill. This is not medicine. And you can still get benefits. Like you'll still start healing yourself in many cases. Just people, placebos, and if you don't know it's a placebo, if you think it's medicine, look out. You can do wonders. So you can obviously, the, 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 the human mind must be doing something to heal the human body. 
So this one guy in this Netflix special, he's talking about how he, he busted up his spine. And he had like three fractured discs or something. And doctors were saying, yeah, you're probably not going to walk anymore. But he, he, so he meditated for like two hours a day, three hours a day, pictured reconstructing his spine. It says, now it sounds like total bullshit, I know. But he said, and then I got up in 10 weeks and walked away. Now, I don't know if this guy's telling the truth. Maybe the doctor said, yeah, you'll be able to walk tomorrow, you dumb fucking idiot. Who knows? But I did start thinking about the placebo, you know? Start doing the secret, right, with Oprah. You know, you, you, you visualize. Put that spine on your vision board. Get your spine back. Can someone tell me why Oprah is so revered? She had a, she had a fucking talk show. And at first, it was just like a regular daytime before she got rich and gave everyone a car. She was fucking, it was like Maury Povich. It's just a goddamn daytime talk show. And then she did a bunch of yo-yo diets, and all of a sudden, people are treating her like she's Maya Angelou? What the fuck? Like, I, I, I don't discount the fact that she is a black woman who, who reached great heights of financial security. I, I get that. Her life insurance plan, I'm sure, is very good. But what the fuck does she done? Like, I, what does she get? She's coming to Toronto, and she's selling out a stadium. Like, a, what is it that she's done? Like, like a Tony Robbins, a motivational guy, I get that. The preachers, I get that. People are religious. They want to go to heaven. They're afraid to die. I get that. You know, but Oprah, you had, a, you had a talk show where you weren't funny and you weren't interesting and you weren't entertaining. Like, if Ellen DeGeneres comes, I'll watch that because she's funny. Or Rosie O'Donnell, like, you know, if you get a talk show because you're interesting and funny, like a Letterman, but those are comedic talk shows. She just had, like, a fucking... Can someone explain that to me? Why all of a sudden I'm supposed to... Like, she she gets to go out on the Oscars and speak for all people? All... Anyway. But the secret, right? You visualize this. So I'm trying to visualize the bones. You know what? You know what I'm often going to is uh, Wolverine. Wolverine, because they they have some good visuals in the Wolverine of where, of of his bones hardening, healing, and then being being uh, covered in titanium. You know, so I'm picture I'm the Wolverine is what I'm saying to you. And I tell you what, I am feeling better. I swear to Christ, my neck isn't cracking as much. Like, my neck used to always pop and crack when I would put my head back. Now it's starting to get a little bit better. Man, the power of the mind, right? I got to go see my goddamn endocrinologist on Wednesday. And maybe maybe I'm totally wrong. Maybe, maybe my bones are way worse. But I feel like, I feel like the visualization is helping. You know? Any placebo or not. If it convinces my stupid body to have some more bones, because guys, I gotta, I gotta work a little longer. We need some more money for these goddamn rugrats. You know what I mean? Don't go, don't waste your money, guys. Fucking, you know, put it to work. Put it in funds. Find a way to make sure that people get that money when you croak. Visualize, right? Calm. Stress-free. No more wounded animal syndrome. Go out there. Be like Lionheart. Bet on yourself. 
guys, we're all going to make it. All right? Happy Mother's Day. So glad you spent a portion of your day listening to my bullshit. I'll talk to you again soon. This is Mark Bennett. I said shut up and good night.